Welcome to the All Things Home podcast. This will be a place where we learn about some of the things happening in our industry, speak to some experts about where they see real estate going, and some other interesting facts about real estate. Welcome to All Things Home. Welcome, everybody, to the All Things Home podcast. Today, we have Martha Mears, the Berkshire Hathaway Home Services Premier Properties General Manager. So that's who we're going to be talking with today. Martha, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Well, Tom, thank you. And it's been so exciting to work with you on the Move Easy platform. And this is a great opportunity for us to expand our relationship. So I'm delighted. Oh, absolutely. And you have a really great expertise in luxury and talking about these different, like what the actual brand of luxury means and how that applies to our industry now. So I do want to talk to that. But before we get into that, when you and I talked before, you have this uh, Toy Story poster behind you, which is uh, great. And I love that that's back there. But you have this theory about how Toy Story applies to real estate. Can you tell us about how that works? I do, uh, and I will share my uh, idea on that. Toy Story, the first one, you had Woody meeting Buzz Lightyear, and Woody was put off by Buzz. Buzz was put off by Woody because, you know, uh, Woody did everything the old-fashioned way. He probably had a daytimer, and he probably did not have any of his calendar, and Buzz had everything. Buzz had his calendar. He probably had... He was on Instagram. He was everywhere, okay? So <laughs> the two of those fought with each other. And then they realized at the end that in order to be successful, they had to work together. So Woody mm. had to take some of Buzz's ideas. Buzz had to come back and take some of Woody's ideas. And by doing so, they became successful. And I looked at my office and offices in December of last year, and I thought, boy, what a parallel. And that is a parallel, I think, for our industry of where we've gotten, which is we have young people coming in and they think everything happens digitally. And we have older people who, and I count myself definitely as one of those older people, <laughs> knows that if you are not, as they taught me when I first started in the business, belly to belly with someone, you're not really talking to someone. Right. And so how do we put those two together to really get successful in this business? And how do we step out of everything being a digital platform to a personable tra transaction, which I think is why people don't always remember us. I mean, you look at the NAR statistics, which says, yeah, I love my agent, but I'm not going to use them again because I forgot their name. Okay. That's so, right. It's yeah, a, a so, year, one yeah. year. So I, I think some of that is where we go. So we've got to get in the middle. So when my agents come in, they ask me why do I have that on the on there, and then I begin to say, "Are you a Woody or are you a Buzz?" I love that. You know, I do know some agents that are still using a Rolodex and a rotary phone, and I'm like, okay, we should update that. We should update that a little bit. But no amount of technology is going to replace an actual conversation with somebody. It's a people market. That's what we do. Talking face-to-face -face is the currency. So you're absolutely right. I love that there's that, that combination of those things where we need to have that skill set from the older generation of being able to go out and shake hands and talk to people. But yeah, we have to bring this in. We have to go where our audience is, and a lot of times that is the social media that's and it right. is the digital yeah. media yeah. And, and all that. So that is such a great parallel. I love that of, of Woody and Buzz. 
mean, what a, okay. I mean, I never thought about it when I was watching. I'm sure the first time I saw that with my grandsons, but I came, I, I thought about it later and I thought that's the parallel I want to use in my offices. So. Okay, perfect. Well, speaking of your offices, how did you get to be the general manager? Can you just walk me through uh, your journey sure. into real estate? So did you start as an agent or did you no, walk in actually, as the manager? Actually, I did start as an agent back in 1980, but don't tell anybody, okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, well, uh, lips are sealed. <laughs> yeah, zip uh, zips your lips up. So that was in Texas in 1980, and I had an opportunity, Tom, to worked for a company that came to town called Merrill Lynch Realty and probably three-fourths of the people listening or whatever don't even remember Merrill Lynch was in the real estate business, but they were. And they were one of the first ones that were really focused on the agent, that the agent was the point of sale. How do we develop material for that agent? So I had a mentor in that company and it was just wonderful. What an opportunity for me. And ultimately, I became president of Merrill Lynch Realty in Houston, Texas. And so then Merrill Lynch unfortunately sold out to <clears throat> Prudential, but anyway, so when so we <laughs> I transferred over into the Prudential world and uh, then uh, spent 17, 18 years in Louisiana with Cole Baker because they asked me to come over and get an office going over there. So then I'm back in Houston now as of 2013. So I actually have a broker's license in Texas and in Louisiana, which is a Really interesting to look at those two states, totally different, but it, they all still do the same thing. The houses are the same price, the contracts are the same, people are the same, so there's not much difference. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And so then I had I an love opportunity it. to get into the Berkshire Hathaway family with an old friend of mine, uh, Stacy Matthews, who's the broker owner here. So, yeah, so it's worked out well, and I love it. I think Berkshire Hathaway mirrors a bit of what. Merrill Lynch brought to the table, which is looking for that point of sale, and that point of sale is the agent. Per, yeah, and yeah, of course it is, right? That we yeah. know that that's yeah. you know the, the barrier between real estate and the client is the agent, of course. Right, 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 absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So well, in the Merrill that's... Lynch family, we had a program called Fine Homes, and that was one of the first luxury sort of designations that was out there. So. Um, it was very, very rudely put together, or crudely put together, I might say. Um, and we had agents in the offices. They would go out and look at the house, and I think I've shared that with you. So it was not price-specific, other than the house had to be a certain price range to even be thought of as luxury. But it was more about what did the house offer? What was in that house that qualified it for that luxury designation? And then if the agents came back with this sort of uh, graph or this sort of critique of the house, was the seller willing to put in some funds so that he could get that luxury sign in his front yard? And you would have sellers who did that. It was very important to them. It was their ego. And then we took it one step further, which is we had luxury home uh, education for the co-op agents because they needed to know what the sign meant. So we sold it to the seller. We made sure that there was a reason that it was getting to be a luxury. And then we took that one step farther and we sold it to the co-op agent. So if they saw a luxury sign, they could rest assured that these following 10 things were in that house and had been checked off because therefore it had the luxury designation. And gotcha. yeah, so that's, that was my sort of whole start into this luxury uh, realm, if you will. 
Um, okay, so you just talked about uh, how some of the brokerages got in there, but let's wind the clocks back 30 years. And uh, talking about how uh, luxury used to mean something different. So what were those things? What were those checkpoints in a house that would make it a luxury listing? How were we able to determine that back then? And then to walk us through a little bit about how, how we do it now. How do we determine that something is luxury? Back in the day, and we'll say it that way, we would look at actually carpeting, drapes. Did they have furnishings that met that luxury? When you walked in, and I think I've used this before, did they have their college furniture in, in the house still? You know, those kind of things. <laughs> you know, landscaping. Uh, it was absolutely rare for those houses to have pools, okay? Uh, so that was not always on the list. Uh, that was that was sort of an extra if at that point in time a house had their own in-ground pool, if you will. But it was... It was uh, floor plan, landscaping, very, very basic sort of things that we look in these houses now and it's like, oh gosh, if it doesn't have that, it doesn't have anything sort of thing. But those were, <laughs> those were real special. And drapes, I can remember, Tom, back in the day, drapes were a real thing. And they were custom made, uh, were they pleated. Uh, I mean, there were a lot of things that made a drape and a drapery product very luxury versus now you have the plantation shutters or people don't even have you know blinds or anything on their windows but back in the day that was very very important and carpet oh my gosh carpet did you have berber oh man that was the number one if you had a berber okay uh, okay <laughs> so think about going back that far and those were the things that you looked for in those houses did they meet that did they have that Gotcha. You know, and my high school girlfriend back in 2000, when I, her dad was the CEO of some company and I went to his house and this was what luxury meant to me is he had, I mean, he had this big house on a golf course with a pool, but what made it luxury is that you go into his garage and he actually owned Michael Keaton's Batmobile. Oh my and I'm like, gosh. this is luxury here. This is what a luxury house has in it. So yes. <laughs> Yeah, but that's not the case today anymore. That's not what it means. So you, we were talking about how uh, listings today, most of the time, if it has a luxury price or a sticker on it, it's because of a price point. But that doesn't actually make it a luxury home. So what are we looking at in the luxury market today? When doing my research, I looked back at the things that now qualify, I guess, or quantify something to be luxury. And you know what? In sort of the fancy enclaves of the world – it was really not about the price, but it's really more about what is in that in that property. And you mentioned garages. That is one of the most primary things right now is garages. How many cars will it hold? And then also, are they heated and cooled? And then do they also, there's several of them that will have a lift so that they can put more cars. I mean, collecting cars is now becoming a real symbol of luxury. Okay, so that there you have to have that. Now that's not in everything. That's not when you get to Houston, Texas, or some of the suburban areas, if you will. But that's certainly in those high end, the Beverly Hills, the Manhattan's, the you know down in Florida and Miami Beach, those types of things. <laughs> but some of the things that across the board, always in all these houses that are coming up, is security, but smart home features. And I mean, they're not talking about a ring doorbell. These are smart home features right. so that everything in that house is controlled 
either by your phone, by your iPad, and in some cases by your car itself when you pull in. So security and smart home features come up more and more and more. Uh, spa and the, and the bathrooms, uh, if you don't have a freestanding tub, it's probably not considered a luxury. Home theaters and game rooms, but I mean home theaters again, not where you have just fancy seats to sit in, but you've got to really have the surround sound. You've got to have the high-end projector. Those types of things as well to, to, to really qualify. Exercise rooms, uh, when I've been talking to someone, the word that kept coming over and over again is that if you had a trainer, a certified trainer, would he come in and use your equipment to train his clients? If the answer is no, then it's not an exercise. It's not something that you can promote. In other words, it's not right. just a Peloton, okay, sitting in it's there just in an front empty of room. someone's window, okay? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so that's where the exercise Home office uh, has to have the highest in internet connections. Also, the audio visual, certainly with Zoom, they always want a green screen behind so that the, the Zoom can be recorded nicely, those types of things. So, it's I've seen those, to... like a painted green wall in your office. Yes, that would yes, be great, yes, wouldn't it? Yes, yes. And so some of them have actually gone and have had that happen. I mean, that's what they do. Instead of just the screen, they paint the wall so that you constantly have that great look behind you, okay? So it's interesting where they've gone with that. But the kitchen seems to be the focus. And it's what's so interesting about that is how many people don't cook anymore. They get delivery or they have oh, a chef. Right. <laughs> but again, the, the kitchen appliances. And so I, I ran a little test here in the office to ask the agents, do you look at the appliances when you go into the kitchen? No, I know that they're there. And I said, well, that's a problem because right now you need to be identifying what, it, what type of range it has, what type of refrigerator it has, what everything that's in there has to be high-end and another gal said to me she said you know what she said my seller was very unhappy that I had not been that specific about the kitchen because they had okay. spent a fortune on the appliances uh, coffee coffee areas uh, cappuccino machines uh, uh, I found that that was probably more important than even the wine refridge because in some cases the people just have wine rooms. But again, if you do have a refridge, that's fine. But a cappuccino machine seemed to be really very luxurious and you had to, had to note that, okay? So I just found it's interesting how we've shifted now to sort of some of the, what we would call expected things in a house nothing fancy nothing that we would think oh you can't have a house without a kitchen but again taking it to that next level puts that luxury brand on it if you will actually i'm glad you said that because you know there are houses that you'll go in and you'll see the fridge and you're like that fridge is from 1970 i can see it i don't even need to look it up i know it that fridge is an old fridge uh, but are there in today's market, are there people that put the luxury sticker on listings and you go inside and you're like, well, this really isn't luxury. This isn't what we're talking about. And so it, there can be different parts of our market where that word doesn't really have any meaning anymore. And I, do you run into agents that don't really address that? Yeah, I think it doesn't have any meaning anymore because I think the meaning has been attached to the sign you put in the regard. I think there's been more time and effort spent on the luxury sign 
and the pole out front and you have luxury agent, luxury company, as opposed to the house itself. And I think, yeah. I think that's a marketing uh, avenue that you could go into with getting your agents up to really talking about what it means to be luxury and going after that segment of the market. Because I think now, Tom, it does not mean anything other than I'm with a broker who does luxury listings. Well, what does that mean? So I'm a luxury agent. What does that mean? You've sold three houses in that price range. But in today's market, that was not hard to do because all the prices went up. But what do you do for that? The other thing that I found very interesting because I was looking at the advertising. Again, when I started in this business, we had the paper here, Houston Chronicle. I mean, if you were not in the Chronicle, you weren't in real estate. And you certainly were not in the high-end real estate. Okay, well, the Chronicle is no one even knows what you're talking about anymore. So anyway, I thought, okay, where do you advertise this? What was very interesting is this, Instagram. But you have to create a persona about yourself. So Tom, if you were getting into this luxury market, you would have to be seen at the right country club on your Instagram. Oh, okay. Oh, I see what you're saying. You would have to be seen at maybe a benefit with you and your tux, okay? You would have to be at a charity that has a... Are, are working on, a, uh, on something that has a purpose. In other words, not just a charity, but it's a purpose. Where are you going with this charity? Is there something you're going to be doing with it in your community? Does it have value to back to the community? But it all came back to that sort of marketing of a luxury agent. So if they're in there, so if I'm seen at the country club having brunch uh, with all the right people, and I post that on my Instagram, then I become... A luxury agent after a while oh yeah look she's at that country club she's here she's there she's maybe getting out of her whatever car you're in those kind of things that seemed to be the overriding factor about sellers looking for almost a uh, I don't want to say a show agent but the agent who meets that sort of Instagram quality I like that you know uh, th- that is true that there there is that. But, you know, when you do uh, are a luxury agent and you do have that logo, you are somebody where that means something now. You know, the listings that you have, they are luxury. Everything's updated. It is a house. It's not just a price point. But So what are some things that people can do to raise that brand awareness that when other agents see their sign, see that luxury sign on it, they can do to actually make that make themselves a luxury agent versus just being a show agent? Well, but I think you, I think what an easy thing to do because some of it is not even not even to have a listing right now. You could just actually on Instagram show yourself in some of these places, show yourself in some of these environments. Maybe it's a polo field. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's there. And we're talking about garages. Maybe it's where you're at a showroom. I mean, now you're at the you know at the Rolls Royce showroom or something. Those kind of things. It seems to be that if you start building your brand first and your company brand, then you can get into that luxury market because you're seen there, you're, you're there. Whereas in the past, you got the listing, then you had to sell the listing. And then you became a luxury agent after maybe three or four of those. And the seller would say, oh yeah, she sold our house, she sold our house. It seems to be it's almost that you can build your brand 
before you even have that first listing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, that's yeah. the way the market is. I, I, that's I, that woody that. buzz that you no. were talking about. Yeah. So it says, you know, I, I just I think over and over again, what they kept saying to me is market the luxury lifestyle, not just the real estate. Yeah, of course. And, you know, you and I had talked a little bit about how there is an education process for agents, especially for other brokerages and just people to understand how. Okay, now I am a luxury agent. I am uh, somebody that sells these types of homes. How are they able to get that education process out there, whether it be for the agent themselves and being that luxury agent or getting the industry or the people in your market to know that you're a luxury agent? And that's what I said. I, I, we did that initially when I was with back in the day with Merrill Lynch. We invited those particular agents. What we did is we would look in the MLS of the agents who had sold houses in that price range and above, and we invited them to a, a cocktail party or just a lunch, and they were the only ones that were invited, and we gave them a brochure about what our luxury sign meant. If it was in front of, in front of the house, these are the 10 points that the house had. And so therefore, okay. they could rest assured when they brought an age, a buyer to one of those listings, it would qualify. So then we were saying to them, we will help you sell yourself to your buyer by you understanding what our luxury sign means. And so I think there's some value to be said by that, uh, in that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in, in the two years that, that we've spent in this, in this market where, you know, the pricing of everything has been so strange. I mean, all across the country, everything yes. was up 30%, you know, um, and, and you, you know, you're looking at houses that are over a million dollars. And I think your quote was that some of them are teardown houses. Some of them you could spend a million dollars and you're just buying the land underneath yeah. them. Um, so how do people that were luxury agents or that would like to be a luxury agents get back into the, the market of making that mean something? Well, I think what we have to do, and here's what my plans are, is to have a class which teaches them on what the luxury client is looking for. And then what they should be looking, the agent then looking when they go out on a listing appointment, does the house, is it appointed in the ways that we talked about the kitchen, the, you know, the office. In other words, I don't want an office that someone just took their fourth bedroom, which was a spare bedroom and put a desk. Right. In, okay. <laughs> so those kind of things. And then what does that then take that luxury designation that we're going to offer because they qualified simply because they sold three houses in that price range, which anybody could have done because of the market. But what does that mean you're going to offer that seller? And some of the things that they talked about was legacy planning, taxes, uh, talk to them about insurance, asset appraisal as, a pro, as opposed to just talking about the appraisal. You call it the asset appraisal. Uh, the, do they have a prenup to work with? Uh, then making sure that the asset that you're talking to them about, it, all of that information is going to be kept private. That was the number one thing that they, they came back to over and over again is the privacy and the confidentiality that you're going to give that seller. Uh, and so I think okay. those are things that you would talk to them about and then say, okay, let's go through your house. These are the things that the buyer... Again, I'm not looking for these things, but this is what the buyer is looking for when he sees the luxury sign in the front yard. And rest assured, when they see our luxury sign, that's what it's going to mean not only to the buyer, 
but also to the, the agent community that we're dealing with. And so I think you could take it another step and really create something that has a luxury edge to it and a luxury meaning to it. Gotcha. Well, I, I love that the idea that we're, we're getting back into that market, you know, since things are returning back to what is a normal real estate market, mm-hmm. we're going to need those distinctions now. Cause before whether a house was or not, I, and, and when you and I spoke, you know, the, it didn't really matter if you fixed up your home, you know, people were going to buy it anyway, you know, in the last yeah, couple of years. And, and and now it's we're getting back to a normal market where agents have to sell. And now mm-hmm. we're in a place where those distinctions are going to be important, especially in the different areas in the metropolitan areas and on the coasts and stuff like that. That's going to be really important. So, yeah, I, it's a course that I think I, I would love to take whatever you created. That's going to be great. Well, I just I feel like timing is here. I feel like for agents to understand that you can take the luxury meaning and make something and make a career out of it, uh, by, but only if you've done it in the right in the right format, and that there is meaning to that seller who, when he comes in and he says, "Well, I'm a luxury agent, and here's what that means, Mr. Seller. Here's what we're going to be doing, and then I'm going to invite that right clientele because if I listed your house and I just told you, Tom, oh yeah, I'm going to put it on MLS, but if I said to you I know agents in this marketplace that they specialize in the luxury market, which is what your house is, and it qualifies on all 10 of my points. I'm going to be inviting them specifically. I will be calling them each one to tell them I've listed it, tell them again about the value in your home, about your asset that you have here, and I will be inviting them to see that property. Now, that's better than if me just saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to put my luxury sign in the front yard and go about my business, but there we're making something meaningful out of that process. Okay. I can't think of a better place to, to end that, that this conversation. That was great. Thank you so much for your expertise in luxury. And I hope we get back to a market where, you know, when you see that luxury sign or when we have agents that, that have that luxury title to them, that that is exactly what it means. It's it is a luxury agent. I hope to see that too. And Tom, I just want to say again too, your Move Easy has been a real uh, platform for us to use. We've got one of our agents in the Woodlands who is, as far as I'm concerned, a luxury agent, and he does a very, very nice job. He uses your Move Easy platform all the time, and a lot of our agents do, and they're very happy about it. I think it's something that, again, as we transition into where the only thing we were interested in is how many contracts could we get on a listing, now we're going to have to concentrate on how do we really service that listing? And then how do we service those buyers that are not maybe as readily available as we had before? And I think the Move Easy platform will help us do that. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, but well, we've enjoyed it. And uh, like I say, one of our agents in the Woodlands loves it. And he uses it all the time. So very good. Beautiful. All right. Well, thank you. Um, hey, Tom, and we'll, thank uh, you.